everybody. Melissa here with the Latch Mama podcast. Today in the studio, we have one of my favorite people, professional birth doula, Emily Bruno. Um, She is here to talk about all things doula and birth and um, why doulas are a very, very important thing um, in the birth world. Thanks. You're listening to the Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, business owner and tired mom of five. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, nursing, parenting, and all things motherhood. We uh, <laughs> we definitely love Emily's knowledge um, around Latch Mama. She's, uh, she definitely has a wealth of it. Um, but we have her today. We wanted to introduce her. She's going to be somewhat irregular on our podcast. going to hopefully help us answer a lot of the questions that you all have um, just about birth and doula work and different things um, that come up all the time in the Latch Mama community. So hi. Hello. Thank, thank you, you for me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, do you want to tell everybody just a little bit about yourself and your background and all that jazz? Sure. Um, so like Melissa said, my name is Emily Bruno and I have been a doula for 13 years, which when I say it out loud, feels really, really crazy. Um, I trained initially with an organization called Alice and then um, trained a second time when they had shifted to an organization called Two Labor. And um, I became a doula before I had children, which is not uncommon or unheard of, but uh, especially 13 years ago was still pretty rare. Absolutely. And um, I came to birth work because I was invited to be there when my niece was born. And I knew nothing about birth. I didn't have any of my own kids. This is 15 years ago, um, almost to the day, actually. February 4th was my niece's birthday. And um, I was invited to be there. And this was in Baltimore, a really busy um, urban hospital and they had a midwife, which was, you know, quote unquote, cool in my mind. It was the same midwife that my mom had used when my brother and I were born. That's so I, cool. I thought that that was really neat. Um, and uh, I was there 100% as a spectator. Like I knew okay. nothing about birth. I didn't have a job. I was just there to like watch a baby be born. Were there a lot of people there or were you just? No, no. It was okay. my, my brother and my sister-in-law and myself and then... Um, my sister-in-law's twin sister. Okay. So the four of us plus the midwife when the midwife was there, because as it turned out, um, again, very busy urban hospital, multiple patients in labor. The midwife was in and out of the room, um, all day and all night. Uh, my sister-in-law had what I now know is a pretty typical labor for, um, a first time mom and, um, ended up getting a lot of interventions and um, ended up getting like pumped through the hospital system. Busy hospital, bed to be cleared. They wanted to get her out as quickly as they could. And long story short, um, was just treated really terribly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was left with this impression of, if this is why people... Uh, or if this is how people are treated when they give birth, then then why do they have babies? Because who would actually want 
to show up and be be treated like this. And it wasn't that there was anything malicious on the part of the staff. It's just that, again, it was this big, busy hospital and they needed to get her out as quickly as they could. Um, but those interventions ended up leading to a NICU stay and um, she wanted to exclusively breastfeed and then they were feeding formula without her consent and just all these things were happening. And again, I didn't have my own kids but at that time, but I just knew that the way that she was being treated, that it was wrong and that it could be better. Like did you know no that it couldn't be better? Did you know that just standing there in the room? Like, yeah. I mean, did you? Yes. Did she know that as well? Or did you just feel like it was this calling to you? Because I feel like for so many people, that's just what birth is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, you and I kind of are a little bit more on this outlying side where, you know, we know that birth can be better. Mm-hmm. But I know from running this community for the last five years that, you know, people just show up and have babies and don't think too much about that side of the process. Um, and if they do, it's not until they're in the trenches and they're in labor or something and something doesn't feel quite right to them that they realize that they do need to have a voice. Um, but you stood there in that hospital room that day, not ever having a baby yourself and mm-hmm. knew that it wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Because I just, uh, I watched them being, I watched things happening without their consent And I didn't know what questions to ask exactly, but I knew that like more things should be discussed. Um, I remember um, afterwards when my niece was in the NICU, they wanted to do a spinal tap. And that felt like really crazy to me that that this two-day-old baby was going to have a spinal tap. Um, And so I just started asking questions like, well, why? And why is that necessary? I, I was... 25 at the time. (laughs) Is there any other thing that we can do? Is observation, is a period of observation possible? And the doctor looked at me and said, oh, have we met? Are are you the grandmother? And I was like, no, (laughs) no, I'm not the grandmother. I'm I'm 25. (laughs) And she was like, oh, you just are just asking a lot of really good questions. And uh, I don't know. Um, I, I, I know that my sister-in-law and my brother realized that things were very different than what they expected. They expected the midwife to be there. They expected the nurses to be more helpful. Um, And as it turns out, those just weren't realistic expectations. So, so did you come home and immediately say like, is there, what is birth work or is there a spot or was there <clears throat> sort a of role in that? kind of so at the time I was working in a record store and I was planning to open my own record store and I'd been working in record stores for years um, so I talked to the one person that I was friends with that had kids and I was like is this normal is this how people are treated when they have babies and she kind of chuckled at me and she was like you should be a doula <laughs> Did you even know what that was? No, I had no idea. So I went home and um, I did, I guess, maybe a Yahoo search or something because Google didn't exist then. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 um, so at the time I was living in San Francisco and I moved um, back to the East Coast to be close to family. Mm -hmm. And we settled in Richmond and um, I like just stumbled upon an advertisement for a doula training. And I'd been reading a lot 
um, since then, just mm-hmm. about birth and learning about it. And, um, and it just felt like a sign. So I called and I got registered. And actually, it's a really funny story because I hemmed and hawed about whether or not I wanted to, to do the doula training. And because again, I worked in a record store. Yeah. And I was going to do that forever. And I didn't even have any of my own kids. And I called maybe like two days before the workshop was supposed to start. And the trainer, Therese, um, she said, hmm, technically it's it's full. <laughs> and has she ever turned, did she ever turn anybody away? Though? Well, so <laughs> she told me on the phone, she asked me all these questions. Um, and she told me on the phone, well, my daughter says that I shouldn't let you join us because it's because you missed the sign up window and that I'm always doing this for people. I'm always letting people (laughs) come when they shouldn't, but I'm going to go ahead and let you come to the training. And so that's awesome. The rest is, is kind of history. So, so you took the training. Did you immediately start attending births after that? Or was it? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I just, the first few people that I worked with were referrals from friends and family, basically everybody. So 13 years ago, a doula was a lot more novel than it is now. Okay. And, um, just basically people that I knew accosted every pregnant person that they knew and said, would you like a doula? Because Emily's a doula. But it probably was more than just saying, are you going to have a doula? It was probably saying like, are you going to have a doula? And this is what a doula does. Like, yeah, I feel like now you don't always have to define it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think most people know, you know, yeah. what doulas do. Yeah. So, so you started attending births. Mm hmm. Did you start to see similar things that you had seen at your sister-in-law's birth? Yes. Yeah. Um, it was, I, I feel like I've gotten a little bit spoiled these days just because so much has shifted in a positive way. Mm-hmm. When I started out as a doula, it was always immediate cord clamping, Um, babies were always being separated immediately and taken to the warmer. Um, people weren't being encouraged to labor at home. Um, the cesarean rate was higher. Um, not crazy, crazy higher, but, but higher. Um, there was a lot less feedback. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, I was seeing a lot of the same things. So if somebody were to listen to this podcast, Mm -hmm. they're pregnant they're starting to realize that perhaps it matters how they give birth Mm -hmm. or what happens when they show up at the hospital. Um, Or maybe they are starting to ask their doctor questions and not quite understanding or enjoying the responses that they're getting. Um, Talk to me about how a doula can help in that situation. Like what, you know, kind of define your role and kind of scope of practice and stuff for Mm us. So, I provide uh, informational, um, emotional, and physical support. And uh, my job as a doula is to, I think, really round out the pregnancy experience. The medical component, of course, is important. Like, uh, there's lots and lots of research that shows that regular prenatal care leads to better outcomes. So it is important for people to check in with their babies and, you know, 
get the blood work done and listen to the baby's heart rate and have their blood pressure taken and all of those things. Um, But we are more than just how our bodies are gestating the baby and what our heart rate is and what our weight gain is. Um, So a doula's job is to really make, I think, pregnancy a much more like holistic, well-rounded experience where we're nurturing the physical self, but also the spiritual and the mental self. And as we're building our babies, we're building our confidence and we're building our knowledge. And so I think my work begins way before the birth with sharing information, um, sharing research and evidence about um, current practices and what's going to be healthiest for pregnant people and for babies. Um, sharing lots of information about what to expect in the appointments and during the birth so that when eventually people have to make some decision about um, an outcome in their pregnancy or in their birth or, or in their postpartum, um, that they have the knowledge and the confidence to do it. So doulas aren't just for people who don't want any interventions. Correct. I mean, correct. You could, you could have a doula help you, but you know that you most likely want all the pain meds. Yeah. Uh, And honestly, I I think that people that are planning to get an epidural Mm -hmm. um, kind of need us the most uh, because labor doesn't stop just because you get an epidural and often there are a lot more inventions or interventions involved when, when people get epidurals, um, things that are needed to keep labor progressing um, towards the vaginal birth. Um, pushing often takes longer. Um, people need help with like position changes and some creative thinking for making room for the baby to come through. Um, epidurals don't lead to C-sections. There's no like direct line from getting an epidural to a C-section, but there are some, um, things that happen after people get an epidural, which can lead to a Mm -hmm. C-section. Like for example, somebody that gets an epidural, um, what we see most often, um, or hear from stories or media representation is somebody just like lying in bed kind of reclined with their head propped up on some pillows. Um, We know that that's a position that's going to be least likely to help a baby descend down Mm -hmm. through the vagina and and out through the hips. Um, So my job as a doula is to help people change positions every six contractions and to work with the nurse to flip them from side to side and to do um, positioning with a peanut ball and then when it's time to push to keep doing all of those things. Um, so yeah, we help everybody. We, we tell people doulas should be supporting people whether they have a planned home birth or a planned cesarean, everything and everything in between. Talk to me a little bit. This is kind of just an open-ended question why does it all matter? Like, why does it matter how a woman feels when she's having a baby? Like, aren't we all just looking for at the end of the day, a healthy mom and a healthy baby? Yes. But I think that's the basement and not the ceiling. Like healthy on a piece of paper is um, a different story than like healthy in your heart and in your mind. Um, 
just because a birth has to have a lot of um, medical intervention doesn't mean it can't be like really um, safe and satisfying. And um, so the way that I think about it, my philosophy about birth is it isn't so much about a particular outcome. Like when I go into a birth with a client, it's, I'm not going into it with this mindset of we're going to have an unmedicated birth or we're going to have a vaginal birth or anything like that. Um, my goal with my clients is you are going to feel safe, satisfied, and confident through the entirety of your birth. You're going to know what's happening. You're going to know why it's happening. And afterwards, when you're holding your baby in your arms and you look back at how your birth unfolded, um, for every turning point, every decision point along the way, you'll be able to say, that was my choice. That was my decision. Um, maybe it was a really tough decision. Like maybe you really had to think about it and kind of go back and forth about your different options and what you wanted to do, but ultimately that it was your choice. Um, and that I think is the way we get, uh, healthy moms and healthy babies because the mom that, um, has, choice taken away from her Mm -hmm. um, that has things done to her instead of with her um, is more likely to experience trauma to experience depression and anxiety afterwards do you think just having a doula in the room sometimes slows the care provider down enough to explain what's going on or like what is your role in that situation I'm sure there have been times where things have still moved forward without you attempting to slow them down to understand and to talk to the talk to your client about them like what what is actually your role in kind of mediating that process well I do a lot of watching first of all I pay attention a lot just to see what's going on Um, I'm always looking um, to make sure that a question is being asked instead of a directive given Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of situations in birth where consent can be assumed um, uh, or it just isn't searched for at all. So I pay attention. Uh, For example, um, I've heard a number of care providers, nurses, doctors, midwives, um, say um, something along the lines of, you're doing a great job. Um, Why don't you go ahead and lie down? I'm going to check your cervix. That's not question. That's not asking for consent. That's not um, talking through options and choices. That's giving someone a directive. So I listen for things like that. And then I will ask my client, you know, how do you feel like, how do you feel about that? Would you like to have your cervix checked? Would you like to talk to your midwife about why she'd like to check your cervix or why it might be helpful right now? Um, so I do a lot of like uh, facilitating of, of conversations and it's not that I'm going into it with an agenda of in that situation, she should or should not have her cervix checked just that it should be her decision. So yeah, I do a lot of just listening and watching. Um, and um, everybody's going to make their own choice. Yeah. I definitely work with some people that will, that would like every cervix check offered to them. They want to know, they want a, a number that they can, you know, see in their mind. Um, and other people want to have zero. Uh, and it, yeah, it's, it's never about what I want. And what I hope 
when I'm in that situation, what I hope is that that's what the provider can tell also. It's not that I'm, you know, uh, reaching for a particular choice. It's just that I'm helping them to have more clear conversations. There's a concept called shared decision making. Um, and they're teaching it more and more in medical school um, and uh, in hospitals through medical practice in general. And it's all about um, conversations between providers and patients where the provider shares the evidence and the research and their personal experience and what the options and choices are. And then the patient listens to that, talks about their fears, concerns, their goals, um, and then balancing you know, those things um, makes their own decision for their care. And so I, I feel like that's what I'm really doing more than anything else. You know, I feel like from my experience, I've had five kids at this point and somehow avoided the hospital with all five, which has been <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful blessing. It's definitely not something I take for granted. Um, but from what I've learned through kind of growing this Latch Mama community, is that birth seems very broken in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And people reach out to us all of the time, even simply just trying to process what the heck just happened to them, mm -hmm. that they have this baby and they were so focused on bringing this baby into the world. And, you know, did they have the right diapers and the right swaddles? And is the nursery perfect? But they never slowed down to even think about what happens when they showed up, when they show up in the hospital in labor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's hard for me to listen to these stories just in the sense that I feel like I'm a princess with I have had absolutely amazing, amazing prenatal care in my life. But how do we get in front of it? Like, how do we change kind of the birth narrative in the sense that we need to stop focusing on the fact that yeah, it's important that you have a baby at the end of this, but it's super important on how this experience goes because you have to parent this baby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the other side of this, you have to feel confident um, or it all kind of crashes and burns in terms of just society in general. Mm -hmm. So how do we, how does the education piece work? Like how do we make sure that we're, we're educating women that, you know, a doula is something that isn't just for the super crunchy moms who, you know, would rather free birth their baby in the corner than mm -hmm. go to the hospital? I don't know. That's a really great question. <laughs> I don't have a pat answer to I don't it. Mean, I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, no, I it's just... okay. I, I, there's so many layers to it. There's so many layers. And, and I do feel like I'm um, working to find that answer every day. Um, I think... First, I really am a believer in midwifery care. Uh, I think midwifery care has been um, the victim of a bit of a smear campaign or a misinformation campaign in that it's presented as fringe and crazy when actually it is research and evidence and science-based care. Like, uh, I don't have a whole ream of statistics to list. It's all out there if people want to look for it. Um, but for healthy moms, healthy babies, low risk pregnancies, midwifery care, and I don't mean home birth and or, or out of hospital. I just mean just 
midwifery care um, with a nurse midwife or a certified midwife in a hospital using the same insurance system and everything that we already have access to, uh, that it it leads to better outcomes for the most part. And it does start in pregnancy because the midwifery model is designed to get the midwife in the room with the pregnant person for longer periods of time than to talk a lot more about um, just everything that's happening other than just the baby's growth um, or their blood pressure that day. Um, They're talking about nutrition. They're talking about childbirth education. They're talking about their, their mental health, all these different things. So I, I wish that more people had access to the midwifery model of care and that the people that did have access would, would utilize it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that everybody should have a doula. I think that everyone deserves a doula. I think that basically every patient in the hospital deserves to have an advocate at their bedside the whole time. And really that's what a doula is, is an advocate. Like, yes, I will squeeze your hips. Like (laughs) you will make a face. You Mm -hmm. might tell me I need to mellow it out a little bit. I'm a hip squeeze champion, but more than that, I'm an advocate at the bedside. Yeah. So how much doulas cost? Like where, where are we going with that? Like how do we make sure that everybody can have one or, Mm -hmm. you know, where do people find a doula? Mm-hmm. It varies. Right now, it's kind of tough because insurance doesn't cover a doula. Um, there's a few states where Medicaid covers it. Um, here in Virginia, they have a bill coming up um, which would uh, allow for Medicaid coverage of doulas. And that would be fantastic because in Virginia, 55% of people giving birth are on Medicaid. So that would open it up to a lot of people. Um the cost of a doula varies from city to city and state to state. Um, sometimes um, new, just starting out doulas will do births for free or at uh, very low cost. Um, here in Richmond, the average for a more experienced doula is somewhere between like 900 and $1,200. You get up to D.C., it's more like 1500 to 2000 New York City, more like 2000 to 3000 um, But again, this is not just support in the birth. This is support through pregnancy. This is prenatal appointments. This is postpartum visits also. Um, so, But I think um, insurance and Medicaid coverage are going to really improve access to care. And a woman could probably get creative. I mean, she could register for one or, or mm-hmm. have family helper or something like mm-hmm. that. It still seems like it's a pretty it's a pretty privileged thing in our society. I would love to figure out a way to, you know, slowly start to change that a little bit and make sure that, like you said, everybody everybody can get one. Yeah. And I'd say that if, if you can't afford a doula, um, find uh, a really good independent childbirth education class and take that with your partner. And if you're going to bring your mom or your sister or your best friend to be there with you, like for your birth, um, then bring them to the childbirth education class also um, so that they can learn um, about, you know, the different interventions and the comfort measures um, and uh, about confident decision-making and things like that. Um, and then I really love the evidence-based birth mm-hmm. website and, and podcast. Um, I think that's really accessible information and it's not um 
uh, for people, just for people that want an unmedicated birth or something like that. Like it's for birth period. Yeah. Um, it's all about, um, relying on evidence rather than hearsay for making decisions. Cool. I think it's a lot of information. It's exciting <laughs> though. It's uh it's good. I mean, I think the the moral of the story is, you know, how you feel when you're having your baby really matters and it does. Um, you know, to try and set up to have some sort of advocate for you mm-hmm. um because you matter, you know. Absolutely. So, that's great. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you for inviting me to be here today. I'm so happy. Best. <laughs>